Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here, and we are excited here in Richmond for our fine friends out in Harrisonburg who get college game day coming up tomorrow. And uh, certainly there'll be a lot of excitement there. We saw it today with the Pat McAfee Show. And uh, joining us now, part of the institution known as College Game Day, it is Reese Davis. Reese, how's it going? Going great. How are you, Matt? Doing well, Reese. Uh, we wish we were talking to you under better circumstances that the NCAA wasn't run by a bunch of fools. But what did you make of the decision not granting the waiver for James Madison, arguably the best group of five team in the nation right now? I, I think it was disappointing and I think somewhat myopic because I understood the reasoning that they put forth, or at least that they insinuated, was that if you want this type of thing, there is a process to change the rule. But I think in this particular circumstance, that because James Madison has everything in place that will be mandated eventually for everyone at the, um, at the FBS level, and they've had it in place, uh, even apart from being successful on the field, that there were enough uh, extenuating circumstances to grant the waiver because no matter how they write the rule eventually, you're going to have to evaluate potential exceptions. And to me, it was just a little myopic, a little too uh, worried, I would imagine, in NCAA circles about setting a precedent, um, which really shouldn't bother them because they've been arbitrary on many cases you know, over the, over the years. But I think there was the, you know, the feeling of, okay, is Jacksonville State different? Uh, how are we going to explain this to Mary Mack and Bellarmine, you know, who actually won conference basketball tournaments last year, if memory serves, and you know, they weren't able to go to the tournament? And my answer was, well, you know, tell, them, tell them our bad and do the right thing. This was an easy, easy PR victory that was just waiting to be taken by the NCAA and they they turned it down, and it's disappointing. But uh, you know, I think that for for James Madison, you know, they have to now sort of put it aside and try to finish with a perfect season, and that's the best way to to stick it to them. But it was, I thought it was, um, I thought it was a little. Um, I keep using the word because I don't want to say short sighted because if I, if it was short sighted, they wouldn't be worrying about whether they should evaluate the rule um, as it pertains to the rule. I think there probably needs to be a mechanism in place that once you move up and are playing the full schedule, if you're playing the schedule, then you're eligible. I mean, you know, I don't think you're going to have a lot of programs trying to bounce back and forth between uh, FBS and FCS from year to year. It, it felt like kind of the Tez Walker story. You know, the NCAA doesn't grant Tez Walker his waiver right away, and it feels like, all right, a bunch of weeks, they're getting pressure, The North Carolina's killing him, and eventually Tez got his waiver. There was like a little part of me that thought maybe the NCAA would see the logic here, but unfortunately they didn't. Uh, I, that's, a, that's a good comparison because I'm not really sure that a whole lot changed in Tez's case other than, um, you know, they – they tried to say there was new evidence, and North Carolina sort of pushed back on that. And you know what? We pretty much gave you everything, and you know, sanity prevailed there. And I thought it might there, but I, but I do think that with the number of committees that were involved, and the number of voices that you have in those committees at the NCAA level, that it might have made it a little bit different, because you know it's one of the major problems with the NCAA and the way it's governed. Taking it away from 
the Dukes, and to say, to use an example, Duke, Duke and Duquesne only share the first syllable in common of their names when it comes to college basketball. Yet, in many cases, um, their rules and standards and things are evaluated in the same way because they're both in the same division. And I think there's that type of feeling in the NCAA sometimes that, you know, you have to uh, accommodate everyone at a certain level, but everybody's circumstances are different. And I think that uh, the fact that, you know, JMU is basically in the second year now of playing that schedule and they have accomplished all of the things in terms of facilities and resources for their players that, you know, things that are often overlooked, um, you know, they've done all that, that it probably would have been wise to go ahead and grant them, grant them the waiver. Because I think the one thing that, and I know this might not be popular here, the one thing that doesn't move me about the exception to the rule is, hey, we're good and we want to play in the championship game. Well, you know, I don't care about that. You have to, you, you knew what the rule was when you signed up for it. And if there are reasons, which James Madison presented, that give you uh, a reasonable uh, petition for a waiver, then that's why I think they should get it, not just because they're undefeated and they're good at football. Let's go on the field. How much fun is it to watch them on film? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that the, the crew has watched JMU. Uh, their defense is really good. The run defense is number one. Their offense is constantly putting up points. What do you see when you look at the Dukes on the field? Well, number one, you can't run on them. I mean, and they make a lot of negative plays. They create a lot of havoc plays. And even though, you know, they've, they've lost a star on defense, they're still really good there. Uh, that's the one thing that jumps out. And the other thing is the continued uh, evolution of Jordan McLeod. I mean, he's getting some, you know, really good coaching from the entire coaching staff. I've been friends uh, dating back to his playing days with Tino Sinceri, you know, the quarterback coach, passing game coordinator there. And, you know, I've, really marveled at the work that he and the entire offensive staff have been able to do with Jordan, who, you know, had a bumpy couple of stops earlier in his career and has really flourished in this offense. I think, um, I think along with a couple of receivers, they're getting close to having, you know, 3,000, 1,000, 1,000 guys, meaning 3,000 yard passer and a couple of thousand yard receivers. And only that uh, prolific offense at Washington, I think is the only other, a program in the country at the moment that would be able to claim that. So it's a complete football team. Kurt's, uh, you know, just done a tremendous job carrying on the winning tradition here and, and even elevating it as they've moved into, into the FBS level. So, I mean, they're, they're an impressive bunch, but they, they better not rest on their laurels because I believe, uh, you know, I believe Appalachian state's playing, playing its best football right now. And certainly there's a lot of uh, pride in that program as well. We'll wrap up here, and we're talking with Reese Davis. You'll see him tomorrow on College Game Day. Obviously, here in Richmond, we remember the last time JMU had College Game Day. The Spiders handed them a loss on that day. What did you remember about the show and the crowd and everything that surrounded uh, the last time you guys were in Harrisonburg? I think, I mean, both trips here uh, previously have been two of the best crowds I've ever seen. And clearly, JMU has almost retired the trophy for Friday crowd. I mean, the crowd we had out there just when we were shooting uh, is stuff for Sports Center and for Raps and for ABC earlier today. And then the, as McAfee's still working his show out there now, it's unbelievable. And just the spirit, the passion that they have, the pride they have in their university and in their city, um, you know, it's very gratifying that they want to share that with us and come and put on a show and They've said, they've stated their goals. They want this to be the biggest one yet, and I certainly hope so because 
Um, I mean, I would enjoy doing the show. I think all of us were uh, would if, you know, 15 people showed up for it, but it's even better if 15,000 show up. So, you know, we're we're hoping for a huge crowd in the morning, and certainly based on the students I talked to earlier today, it seems as if we're going to get it. Let me slip one more in real quick. Obviously, if, if JMU wasn't 10-0, I think we'd give some attention to Liberty, who's also 10-0. we got two really good football programs here in the state of Virginia. That's a, that's a great point, and uh, you know I think they have – I've been a little bit overlooked with the with coaching change, but they've I've seen a lot of them uh, a lot of their games this year weeknights, and that's a really good team. Jamie's doing a great job there as as you did at Coastal Carolina. Um, you know they they would be getting a lot of attention, and who knows the way things uh, fall out. I'm not sure that their you know their strength of schedule will necessarily uh, carry the day for them, but it might. You know if uh, maybe if you have a little chaotic finish in the American and the Mountain West, and they finish undefeated, maybe they could, you know, sneak in there and be that highest-ranked group of five champion if they could, you know, get into the college football playoff rankings. But they've, they've done a great job as well, and, and certainly that's, uh, you know, something to, be, something to be proud of in this state as, as uh, you know, I think Virginia Tech has improved this season. Virginia has improved. So the state of college football in the entire state is certainly on the upswing. Well, Reese, we appreciate the time here in Richmond, and we will certainly be watching tomorrow. Enjoy Harrisonburg, and thanks so much for giving us some time. You bet. Thanks for having me.